everyone isn't like, all right, so I've got these four square feet that I have control of. And I, and maybe it's your Twitter account, or maybe it's your health system, or maybe it's your house, or the lady at the grocery store who pulled down her mask to order the deli meat. This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Kim Fox is a partner here at Gerard and leads our regional practice. Tim Stewart, you've heard from him before. He's a vice president in our national and academic health system practice. They both have a lot of experience and a lot of ideas. In a recent team meeting, the two of them went on a brief back and forth about trust, something we talk a lot about around here. And then also this idea of people self-regulating or trying to take control of their environment. When trust is low, when people are getting mixed messages from leadership, they take things into their own hands. It was an interesting three minute conversation. So we decided to expand it to 23. Call it the uh, Kim and Tim show or something. But I have a story that may be related. So my daughter is in college. She is a junior at Furman University in South Carolina. And as many universities were planning to do or went back to school. And the way that Furman decided to do it was they sent the freshmen and the seniors back first. And then a month later, they were going to bring the sophomores and juniors back. So, so she actually went to Greenville and got an Airbnb and stayed there for a month as, and had classes and everything. She was getting ready to move in and she called me the Friday before she was going to move in and says, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I decided I'm going to come home. I've decided that what I'm hearing from the folks that are there is just not encouraging to me. You know, two of my classes, two of the four classes would be online anyway, even if I'm sitting there on campus. And the rest of the time, you got to run around with your mask and stay in your room and et cetera, et cetera. So um, she decided to come home. And one of the reasons she said she decided to do that was because she said either you've you got two, set, two kinds of people. You've got the ones that are Doing, going a little nuts and going to parties and doing whatever they want to do. And then the other half are telling on them. And so you've got the tattletales that are creeping around watching everybody and telling on everybody. And she says, it's just a, it's not the kind of environment I want to be in. And so I, I feel like that is just like a microcosm, like a, a microcosm of, of the world right now. We've got people that are not doing what they need to do. And then you've got people that are mad about that. And so there's this, this, this um, push and pull all the time. And then there's lots of people in the middle, right, that are just doing what they can do, right, doing the best they can with the information they have, trying to protect others, trying to protect themselves and just be smart about that. But you've got the, as we have in this country, the far over here and the far over there, uh, the left and the right, if you want to call it that. And there's, there's su- such, uh, such a feeling of judgment and I don't know. That's, I just feel like it's a, we're sort of in that time right now. And, and that just sort of that story from her, it was just sort of crystallized it for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like part of this is in the absence of leadership or agreed upon facts or a clear direction, then like the way that people are exerting control over their day to day is by policing other people. By saying like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you wearing a mask? And you know, the fact of the matter is, if I were 20 years younger, 15 years younger, maybe even 10 years younger, <laughs> I'd be at bars. I'd be hanging out. I'd be like, oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. And so it's hard for me 
to like muster up a lot of outrage over college kids being stupid because yeah. I was a stupid college kid. And so I think that that's, I, I mean, there's like certainly an empathy deficit there where people like can't imagine a reality outside of themselves, but it's compounded by the fact that nobody trusts any, any, you know, major any governmental leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, I'm going to control the people in the grocery store. I'm going to control that guy at the gas station because I, you know, someone, someone's got to do it. Right. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Because because we're not getting it from elsewhere. It does cut both ways though. It does. Like it's, it's, I went, I drove out West, uh, you know, in July when we were at the peak of like mask wars and we drove out to Colorado and I wore a mask. You know, we, we would stop and I was wearing masks because I live in Chicago and we've been masking for a while. It's not right. that big a deal. But like as you moved west in the in the places that you would expect, then, you know, it tilted where we went from like it was 90% mass to 10% mass. And then in, in the 10% mass places, I started feeling like, apologetic like i'm sorry is this making you guys uncomfortable like wait what is going on like no i'm doing the right thing (laughs) like i'm not judging them but like i started to feel like oh i hate for them to have to see me in the mask Like I it must be making them uncomfortable. The pandemic was happening. Yeah, I know. And and I and then and, and just talk to me on Monday, and I might feel differently on Tuesday. It's like I had these wild sort of emotional swings, or and I'm and that's not really me to go from one extreme to the other in like a day or in the same day. But it's 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 the sort of the time we're living in, I think. But so so how does that manifest itself when we're talking about trust and trust in organizations or trust in people? is as you mentioned, Tim, like who, who do you trust? I mean, we're all, so we get our, we get our news feeds, right. That are curated for us by however we like, whether it's Facebook or however we get our news, which is not the usual way, right. It's not, we're not opening up the newspaper. And even if you do, you're, it's curated for you in that way. Right. So depending on what station you watch or, or where you choose to go for news, it is not, uh, the idea that news that that journalism is unbiased is a joke. So you you're going to get a slant, right? You're going to get a slant no matter where you go and so you're 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 going to that one source that you trust and you're getting all of your news from that curated source, right? And it and it and it's the same same thing you believe, like you're getting no other views, right? And that's, I think that's the problem is it's like, well, I believe this because I believe it anyway, right? But if it goes against sort of what you already believe, then you're like, it's this dismissal of it. Like, I'm just going to scroll through this because I don't believe it. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to go through this and, 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 and not even, not even try to hear other voices, I think is what is kind of what's happening right now. Well, and I think a lot of people talk about it just in straight partisanship which is part of it but i think it's also a like nationalization of all political issues so like everything is about and this is this is trump's like superpowers that everything is about him and so like that has been magnified to an extreme degree in his presidency but was true before that like the fact that like national politics is the thing when really people should care more about like not more than who the president is but more than they do about who their mayor is and who you know is running their town 
And people don't care about that at all. And people don't know who those people are at all. It's all about the national political conversation in a way that can do nothing but put you on one side or the other of everything. Right, like right. It, everything then falls no into these no two middle. national camps, which don't make a ton of sense and aren't really, aren't really tethered to like consistent political ideology anymore. It's yeah. just, it's just, that's my team. So, you know, how can we in healthcare, like what, 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 what should we be doing? Right. Should we be, should we be making a stand? Should we be using our voices? Should we be our, the surveys that we have, the information that we have seen and in, in the surveys that we have conducted shows that people like want to hear from us. They almost expect to hear from us now on healthcare issues, not on, you know, I don't know that they wanted to hear from us from, about everything, but there's a lot of healthcare issues right now. I mean, we're talking about the possible repeal of Obamacare. We're talking about obviously a virus, a pandemic and the, and. Well, and also healthcare is just at the center of the Venn diagram of everything. Yes. Like, you know, the, there, there are racial inequity issues in healthcare. Yes. There are economic issues. There's the political issues. There are the like healthcare issues. The actual healthcare. health part of it. It's yeah. the middle of everything right now. Yes. Right? And so, and so there is, there is an expectation that people, people trust people in white coats still. Yes. But there's danger in, you know, there's danger in speaking out, right? That's what we were just talking about. There's danger in having an opinion that is different than somebody else's. And so I think probably healthcare organizations are a bit gun shy about stepping forward and taking a stand because they're going to alienate perhaps half of their patient base. Um, and so it, it, it is dangerous, but expect their patient base legislators who decide, you know, whether, yes. how their funding set up. I mean, there are tripwires everywhere, but everywhere. at this moment, I think there is like, depending on how they, how you enter the conversation, there's a moral imperative for health systems to be participating in the public health angle of this conversation. When mm -hmm. 200,000 people have died this year, if, if we're talking talking about getting reliable information about vaccines or, or stuff like that. I don't think that, I don't think that people have the, the ability to sit this one out. I think they have to weigh in. And that isn't to say that they have to weigh in by saying all of their employees need to get vaccinated in the first run or anything like that. But I think that there is a ton of room for health systems to be the voice of reason, to be the voice of nuance, to tell people, here's what to expect. There are going to be side effects. Here's what, here's what they yeah. are. Here's how vaccines work. Like, I think there, there is a responsibility there because everything else around that particular issue is noise. Yes. And our people, you know, we, we have gotten a, a group of doctors together and they've looked at the, at the studies and they've, you know, and we think it, it's okay, or we would recommend waiting or whatever it is that, that we want to recommend. But so what do you think, Tim, do you think, do you think folks, healthcare organizations that should quote, stay in their lane, stay in their health lane, right? Or do you think that folks want our, our healthcare organizations to have opinions about other things, or is that just too dangerous to wade into right now? Well, I think it feels like this is a moment where, and, and like we were just saying, your lane is all of the lanes. Like yeah. this is the big, this is the conversation in this country right now. So, I mean, do I think that they should 
weigh in on, I, I don't know, <laughs> the presidential yeah. race? Yeah. Probably not. It's probably not a, a great place for them to spend their trust equity. But as it comes to public health issues, and also, like I said, a number of the issues that we talked about this year that have been the focus of the country have healthcare elements. There's, a, you know, you mentioned sort of structural racism earlier. There is that element in how healthcare is distributed. So, is that the first place to go with your trust? No, I think you got to talk about the pandemic that's killing a bunch of people and and how we can address that. But, you know, all, all roads lead to how healthcare is delivered, at least in the conversations that are of the utmost importance to people right now. So it seems to me that if you can get batting practice on the public health issues, right. then you can determine how you want to enter into these broader conversations later. Mm-hmm. But and just delivering care right. is, not, is not really the option. Right, right. And do you think those voices that should that should should be heard from you know is that is that the CEO is that I guess it depends on your organization and, and you know is that the CMO is that a epidemiologist on your staff is that a you know who is that I guess you need to determine that for yourself for each organization to determine what's right for them. Yeah, I mean, I think we both know organizations where the CEO is beloved, and we both know organizations where the CEO is less so. Um, and and so, you know, being careful about who you're putting out there, I think that the, it's certainly an opportunity to elevate the voices of physicians. I, you know, the polling that you talked about earlier, 80-some percent of people trust doctors and nurses. And that can also be a way to build relationships with clinicians that have sort of felt the brunt of consolidation in a lot of places. And, and the, the trends in the industry have not always favor our frontline employees. So how do we, how do we elevate their voices both inside our organization and outside? Like if we're going to leverage them publicly, how do we also empower them responsibly internally? Right. You know, another thing to consider. That's, that's work you've been thinking about for a while. Yeah, exactly. And I, another thing to consider is, you know, individual physicians, uh, you know, unrelated to the organizations they may be employed by, right? Uh, you know, what is their role in getting on social media and, and sharing their own personal views about things? That, that you, you can get to dangerous waters there, but, you know, we know a few of them that are um, physicians that are very active on Twitter and other social media channels and sharing, and, and, they, and they do sort of stay in the the public health realm. Um, but there's a lot of physicians out there, a lot of voices that um, are stepping out. And, you know, ha- so you if they're employed by you or a part of your organization, you have to figure out how comfortable you are with that and maybe provide guidance if you, uh, if you need to, to make sure that they're not representing the organization if they go off the rails a little bit. Yeah. And I I think that we all, I mean, we know that that's an uncomfortable spot for a lot of health systems to have that, but it's, it's an uncomfortable spot for all institutions. There's a reason why, you know, these, these platforms, when they are powerful, are powerful. It's because people who didn't have public voices have them. Now, a lot of them, myself included, should shut up, (laughs) but Sometimes there are people who are using that platform to amplify things that are maybe uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but are important. And so health systems, it it comes back to nuance for me because I think we've seen people, we've seen systems over the last six months 
you know, come down really hard on nurses who went public about needing PPE or, you know, doctors who were talking out. It's just not a smart move. It doesn't, it does no. nothing but engender ill will with the people who work for you. And it doesn't do anything to change the public narrative. So, you know, a lot of this is building relationships with these people so that they don't feel the need to take their PPE complaints first to Twitter. Like right. ideally they've got platforms inside to say, Hey, I'm worried about this. But if they don't, that's the problem. It's not, it's not that the nurse tweeted about it. It's that the nurse didn't have an Avenue inside to talk to someone about. It. Right. And so she wants reminding to reminding them of their social media policy is not really, it's, yeah, it's not a great, it's not a great move. Uh, it, it's just not, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying to people. And so they are, they're, trying to control what, trying to control it. And then it doesn't work. I think we're all in this moment of, I've got to control something. I can't, there's very little in my life I can control. And for, and for my, and for my personality, it's like the worst spot in the world to be in is I have no control over anything. And so the things that I do have control over, I'm going to like control the darn heck out of them. Right. I mean, I'm just going to be like, Ugh. And I, and I think maybe that's sort of how organizations are reacting to you. I can't control all this stuff around me, but I, I can sure control that nurse that wants to tweet. I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen because that's in our policy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, the fact is that we're dealing, we're in the middle of a pandemic with an invisible virus that's sweeping the nation and world. And I think that's exactly where everyone is. Everyone is in like, all right, so I've got these four square feet that I have control of. And I, you know, it's well, maybe it's your Twitter account, or maybe it's your health system, or maybe it's your house, but it, or or the lady at the grocery store who pulled down her mask to order the deli meat, and it's just like I am going to control this moment because I need to bring some some structure to the to chaos. My life, yes. What I what I worry about next, I mean, the vaccination thing, I'm very fascinated by that, watching that, and I've been reading a lot about that and how that's going to manifest itself. And, you know, I'm sort of of the mind, just give me every single one of them. We'll just, <laughs> hopefully one of them will work. But I, I think people have in this mind, this clock, that that things are going to be different in 2021. Like there's going to be something that happens December 31st between December 31st and January 1, that's going to make me feel better about things. And so I really do worry that that's not going to happen. And the, the calendar year means, it means nothing, but it does in our minds. And I'm really worried for our organizations. I'm worried for the country really um, about what, what's, what, it's, what it's going to be like if we're still talking about these same things January 1. I would say, well, you know, I certainly hope that some things are different January 1, but it is interesting to think about because if you think about how this has started, you know, if we're that mid-March timeline when we all kind of came to grips with it, we all thought, okay, well, maybe it'll be a couple of weeks. And it was like, well, okay, summer, there were some noted scientists who thought it would just go away when it got warm. I remember hearing that from uh, prominent voices. And, and so now we're six months in and we're all kind of resigned through the end of the year. And we're thinking, okay, so now it's sometime next year. That's a long time. And so even when this, you know, even when COVID fades, whether it's, you know, the vaccine or herd immunity, hopefully not, but, However, it fades away. We've now gotten into different patterns. 
that are going yeah. to be different. Like it's not going back. We're not going back to March 1st, yep. 2020. Yes. And so what, what will, what we will, what will we have to keep? What do you, we want to keep? Will I, will I wear a mask when I go out forever? I hope not, man. I, I hope, I hope that that's not a thing, but I'm going to have sanitizer and I'm going to maybe do all of these things. You know, I know we're worried about the flu season, right? We're worried about the combo of flu and COVID coming up the next couple of months and, and what that's going to do. Maybe the, the measures that we're taking you know, washing our hands, sanitizing things, wearing our masks, you know, staying six feet apart that we're doing for COVID, maybe that, maybe the flu season won't be bad. I mean, can we hope for that? That's it. I mean, that's a good point. I think we are, we are generally cleaner, more hygienic group than we were six months ago. Speak for yourself there. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I mean, maybe you didn't have much room to grow, but <laughs> at least the hand washing, you know, I think that that probably is that that should make some difference, and also just the limited mobility, just the fact that people are not as right. right. All I mean, the reasons that people are keeping away from each other for COVID. I am a you know I go to football games all the time. I'm going to try to go to some this year and obey all the rules. But how am I going to act when I get there? I have no idea. Like, what is my reaction going to be? I mean, I get around people. You have this, this, I mean, I get uncomfortable when like a car gets too close to me. Like when I'm in my car, it's just bizarre. And you watch things on TV, you watch shows that were, you know, clearly filmed before all of this and you get uncomfortable watching it. Because these people are like touching each other or too close or in a, you know, a bunch of people in a car together or at a concert together. And it, and you have a visceral, like physical reaction to that. Like how, how long is that going to take when we're, when this virus is hopefully quote taken care of, how long is it going to take us to feel, to feel those kinds of things as being normal again? Maybe, I don't know. Never, or I mean, there's, do we there's get over probably it? an element of it that is similar to like you hear about depression era grandmas, or yeah, or what she's picking up every penny and whatnot. I, there, I, there's certainly going to be some element of that as a reactionist. There are going to be some people who don't go back and do wear a mask everywhere, and I'm so it it, it is it's a grand psychological experiment. Yes, it is. I'm not really, yeah, else. I don't really want to be part of that. I'm, I'm kind of, no, but I'm not really interested. Here we are. You know what? We've got to, we'll get through this. I'm, you know, I, I have to believe we will get through this. There will be a vaccine. There will be a way to, for us to at least put this in the category of the normal flu. Um, and some people will get sick and hopefully not a lot. And hopefully we'll be able to have a treatment as well. In addition to the vaccines, I gotta, like, I've got to hope that that's going to happen because I, I need, I think we all need that hope right now because there's, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of it. We're talking about trust, uh, before we got into existential dread. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope we have someone, something to trust in. I, I, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, I, I'm not a fan. I know a lot of people aren't willing to go out on this limb. I don't like the pandemic. I mean, yeah, I don't like it either. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you that nothing automatically changes on January 1st, but I don't know, maybe it will. <laughs> <laughs>